Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Nuanced Naturopaths. Woohoo! Who are you? I'm Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Corinda. And we are the, the Nuanced, Nuanced Naturopaths. Naturopaths. Nice. Remember when we first recorded an episode over Zoom and we said something like together and yes. you receive you heard it as we said it in the same time but on my end there was like a laugh <laughs> right. so that was like the perfect redemption for for that that was awesome <laughs> uh no no zesty preamble today sorry if you like that um we are diving straight in yep today we are going to have a nuanced conversation about adhd now we will touch on some of the basics of it, but I reckon this is a topic that most people... It's pretty well discussed at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is It is on our radars. If mm. it wasn't already, it's well and truly on the radar to the point where I have clients telling me about ADHD facts and hacks for ADHD because they're seeing it on TikTok and Instagram oh, and, you know, wow. it's... We really are in 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? I wonder how much of it is a bit of a consequence of COVID as well. Yeah, like just more people Uh, inside doing things, getting... Yeah, ooh. Ooh. Oh, I think I need to put that Mm. as a dot point for for further down the convo. Yeah. Um, So I would like to personally uh, just acknowledge some things before we really dive in. From my end, and I'll sort of let you riff on what you, how you feel about this, but from my end, what I'm going to be sharing um, in these couple of episodes, we're going to do a couple of episodes on this topic, is a mix of my personal opinion, my professional opinion, things that I know based off, based off of research that I've read, based off, based off of clients that I've seen, based off my own experience. So I guess I just wanted to acknowledge this isn't a one and done. Mm. Here is the most professional, most correct Mm. factual thing about ADHD. Mm. Because, you know, we're the nuanced naturopaths. We'll always find the grey. I was about to say that this this is what we do. Yeah. To to pick it apart and to to actually analyse those things that people are taking as being a given. Yeah and black and white and I think this is a subject where it really isn't black and white yeah so we're going to be acknowledging a lot of gray areas some stuff that you may not have even considered about Mm. ADHD some stuff that may feel edgy Mm. maybe to Mm. think about especially if you are someone who um, is diagnosed with or experiences symptoms of ADHD Mm. Um, so just wanted to put that out there mostly I'm going to be sharing my personal experience as I will happily and confidently say a neurodivergent human. Mm. So that's mm. me. How do you feel about that, Julie? Well, I feel that's, I think that's great. Yep. Um, I know that this is a subject that we have discussed over a period of time that includes me getting my own diagnosis of ADHD. So mm-hmm. I also am a neurodivergent human, mm. but I think we also acknowledge that maybe maybe there's a lot of people, <laughs> maybe most people, maybe all people 
are neurodivergent in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Is it all just a, on a spectrum? Yeah, like mm. with most most things that we're realizing yeah. now, right? It's a yeah. spectrum. It's not just again. It's not a black and white. Yeah, thing. And here's another little <laughs> controversial. Uh-huh. Thing. Is it transitory? Does it change? <sighs> Oh, well, where can we expand on that more? Oh, my gosh. Hang on. Let me, let me write that down. Um, while I'm writing that down, Julie, yeah. would you like to take it away with an intro? What okay. is ADHD? What is ADHD? It is a, uh, a neurotransmitter imbalance. Mm. Uh, well, various neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, it can result in a range of different presentations and a range of different symptoms from food cravings, addictions, uh, substance abuse, um, anger, impulsivity, um, lack of attention, high-risk behaviours, um, uh, sleep behaviours, so revenge, bedtime, procrastination is a good mm. one low motivation, um, difficulty in performing tasks that are necessary, (laughs) Um, difficulty in prioritising particular activities. Mm. Um, I'm thinking cleaning houses is a good one. Yeah. You you just look at it and you think, I just don't know where to start. Mm I guess I'll circle back around to the, the, the sort of the nuance in that too yeah. because I can hear voices in, in my head going, yeah, but nobody likes housework. Mm. I'll come back to that. So There's also, that, yeah. you know, on the, on the real extreme end of, of the spectrum, you've got things like schizophrenia, mm. ag- aggression and violence, delirium, anxiety, panic and worry. Mm-hmm. That's the full spectrum. Yep. Um, you can have pa- heart palpitations high blood pressure, insomnia, paranoia, um, chronic pain, and high motivation as well, Mm. as well as low motivation. So not everybody experiences all of those symptoms or those presentations, uh, but that's a range of them depending on the variation of dopamine, catecholamine um, balance. Mm -hmm. So that's, I feel like that's just a really good summary of like things that your neurotransmitters can influence. Yeah. Yeah. Areas yeah. of your body, different symptoms that your neuro- neurotransmitters govern. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when there's imbalances to those neurotransmitters, that's when we can start experiencing some of these things. And also there's other factors on top of that, but we'll, yeah. we'll cover that. Yeah. Now, before we proceed, can I just get you to expand just a touch on the procrastination, revenge, bedtime <laughs> stuff? Because I've heard you mention that a lot and yeah. I think I get the gist, but I would love to hear you like just share with everyone. Okay. And I think some people will be familiar with this behavior with or without ADHD because it's also prevalent in in busy people mm. particularly women mm. who have a lot on their plate mm-hmm. um and just simply don't have that time for that me time mm. the time to wind down and yep. so what can happen is i know i've got to go to bed at 10 o'clock in order to get a good eight hours sleep before i have to wake up the next morning and do it all again yeah but i'm just gonna sit here and scroll on my phone mm-hmm. mindlessly or watch some crap on television or Yep. do some sort of mindless task and it's 
you know you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. You know you should be going to bed. You're often yawning while you're doing it, but you're still doing it. Because <laughs> mm. it's like, I'm getting my time back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my time one way or another. Yeah. Oh, mm. and that, and let's, oh, this could be a whole separate podcast in itself, but that is, I just feel like, a really good point when it comes to setting boundaries. How how much control do people feel they have in their lives? Where are they outsourcing their power and yeah. their decision making? And I think the, f- not, I was going to say the funniest thing. It's not funny, but the most interesting thing about that is that if, if you really sat down with someone and got them to reflect on how they would love to be spending their time, hmm. the answer won't be mindlessly scrolling or no. binge watching television, but no. not even really paying attention no. when, you know, at, 9, 10, 11, 12 at night. Mm. And, yeah, it's just this interesting kind of, like, yeah, take back the day or, like, and I, I see it especially in women who work for other people yeah. in really demanding jobs. Uh, generally when they're not running their own business, I feel, mm. it's a very, like, feels like a very employed thing because it's like, oh, that's not, that's not my business. I'm working mm. for someone else and now this is my time. Oh, see, I might disagree oh, with you a yeah. little bit there because uh when running my own business when it was at its peak yeah i was at the beck and call of my customers Ooh. and so that that feeling of my time is my not my own was still there even though it was my business in fact if anything i felt i had less control Oh, that's a good point. Mm. And actually you saying that, I'm like, oh, that could so go either way. Some people feel the relief of like, I'm working for someone else. There's less pressure, whatever. Yeah. And it's chill. And you come home, oh, cool, I'm switched off. This is my time. Yeah. Right? I've done my work. Yeah. I'm back home at 5, 6 p.m. Great. I have the night to myself. Mm. Oh, good point. Whereas when it's your own business, it's like. There's no there's no off switch. Yeah. Okay. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's good. And that creates yeah. a spectrum in and of itself of like. Yeah. I th- people could go either way for yeah. either sitch, yeah. Now, not to make this section too long, but it also should be acknowledged too that that dopamine-seeking behaviour mm. that is common with ADHD yeah. is also associated with tiredness. Ooh. So as you get into the evening and you're looking for stimulation because yeah. you're tired, yeah, that's where, you're, that's where the phone comes. scrolling comes in too so it's yet another reason why when the sun goes down put the devices away yeah yeah just put them out of reach put them to bed yeah tuck them in (laughs) tuck them in in their own room which is not your bedroom ideally ideally oh i'm just imagining all the people that would be like what What? screens down when the sun excuse me it's we're out of daylight savings time now right this the sun goes down at like 6 p.m now (laughs) but what will i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah really 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 good points oh cool okay and we've already touched on like some dopamine and neurotransmittery things um so how tell us a little bit about how the thing that you touched on before we've got adhd symptoms Hmm. Or, or symptoms that fall under ADHD, the umbrella of ADHD. And then we've got people who might go, but that's everyone. Or like but what, yeah, what yeah. you mentioned before, but no one likes No one housework. likes doing housework. So where's the, where does the difference lie? The, the difference is in the ability to do a task, the motivation to do a task that mm. is unpleasant. Mm. 
is further compounded by the inability to prioritize the stages of that task. Yeah. So if I'm looking at my house and it needs to be tidied and I'm unable to decide whether I need to vacuum first or put away the things or so it's it's compounded by this inability to to put things in order and, mm. and then it becomes overwhelming yeah and so it's not that people with ADHD can't clean their houses it's mm. just it's a much bigger task it's more difficult to do these things unless you can find some sort of inspiration to do it and that's yeah. that's the opposite side of that is the hyper focus right where you can be cleaning the house all day yeah to yeah. the to the exclusion of everything else oh, feeding yourself <laughs> yeah. or yeah, yeah yeah um and is that so what you were saying about the being able to you know seeing all the tasks in front of you again if we're using the example of just cleaning your house seeing all the things that need to be tidied all the subtasks i guess mm. And is that where it becomes about executive function in yeah. terms of organising the priorities and what's to do? That, so when we're talking about executive, executive function, that's a great example. Is there a way we could summarise that, like what executive function is? Because uh, that's, a, that's a huge part of ADHD, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So executive function is the ability to self-regulate skills and mental processes that allow us to plan, focus... Um, attention, remember instructions, mm. um, and juggle multiple tasks simultaneously. Right, it's like the it's like the CEO of our brain. Yes. Yeah, or maybe like even lower down than a CEO. It's like it's like the manager, the floor manager. Yeah. Like, here's what has to get done today. Bob, you're doing this. Sarah, you're on this duty. You know, and here's where we're going to start. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's like the coordinator. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, with that said, with that little overview of ADHD, I feel like it would be great now, great now, to dive into root causes of ADHD. Mm. Now, Mm. again, acknowledging this is from a nuanced, naturopathic-informed perspective. This may not be similar to what you've heard or read in books that are just coming at it from a conventional yeah. medical perspective. Yeah. Um, so there may be some things you haven't heard in here, but I'm excited to dive in. I think the best place to start is just, we've mentioned it, neurotransmitters. Yeah. So, and I, I suppose I have to start this with the science is still not mm. 100% clear on this. Like so many other like things. Like so many other things, <laughs> yeah. Um I think it's evolving and changing all the time. But, of course, from the naturopathic perspective, we look at all of the things that cause neurotransmitter imbalances anyway. Yeah. So we're looking at things like nutrient deficiencies, particularly things like zinc, magnesium, um, omega-3 fatty acids. Yep. um, Iron is a really common one. uh, B6, B2 folate yeah oh, yeah uh, which makes me think mthfr yeah and so b12 in that B12, as well yeah, yeah yeah um the sorry go on and i yeah sorry i was just thinking a great way to sort of not even explain it's not like a helpful analogy but it's just to sort of put it out there when we talk about neurotransmitters and we talk about nutrition the link is that 
in order to produce these neurotransmitters, which happens in all, oh, which happens in the gut and the brain, right? Yeah. Oh, certain nutrients are required. So some are cofactors mm-hmm. and some are precursors. Yes. In that they they're just certain nutrients are required for the process of your body being able to make those neurotransmitters. Yeah. Neurotransmitters, for example, we've mentioned dopamine. There's serotonin. There's GABA. There's glutamate. Acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. Uh, <laughs> and more. <laughs> there's a lot. I think they're the main ones. Yeah, they're the main ones. And there's... and Then there's things like histamine that's kind of mm. not... Uh, it's a hormone, a signaling hormone, and a bit of a, it affects neurotransmitters. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. There are some, like, chemicals in the body that can have a neurotransmitter like effect but aren't. Uh, strictly classified as neurotransmitters yeah. yeah and so that's why nutrition is important for brain health and those neurotransmitters influence those sim- all those symptoms that we listed at the start Absolutely. they can influence mood pain perception appetite your the reward center of your brain so much anxiety Anx- yeah yeah depression yeah yeah and so if you have something that seem that sounds as simple as a nutrient deficiency in one of these key nutrients and more that mm. we that we probably haven't mentioned um amino acids tryptophan yeah oh my goodness yeah, yeah. so amino yeah. acids that you get from protein you can have a deficiency in just one of those things and that can be enough to sort of yeah. stimulate this imbalance yeah set the stage for this imbalance yeah yeah and of course underlying nutrient deficiencies may well be gut dysbiosis or <laughs> digestive issues as a broad category so yeah. you know if you're if you're not digesting your food and absorbing nutrients you might be eating the nutrients or the yeah. nutrient dense food you might have a great diet yep but if you're not absorbing those nutrients um or you have a food allergy or a sensitivity yeah. or you have leaky gut yeah. or SIBO or IBS yeah. or IBD. Yeah. <laughs> like there are so, there are, there are so many parts to your digestive system and there are so many different factors that could increase your personal demand for specific nutrients. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I wish it was as simple as what you eat is what you're putting in mm. and that's what your body's able to receive, but it's, it's just not. Yeah. Hey. So, and, and, and this isn't to like target people because I feel like people take it really personally yeah. when they're like, but I eat a healthy diet. And yeah. it's like, oh, but there's, there's more to that, Suzanne. Yeah. And it's not your fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And again, stress, yeah. which is, it's a bit of a double-edged sword with ADHD because uh, disrupted neurotransmitters can cause anxiety. Anxiety can cause that elevated nervous system um, response, response activation, yeah, yeah. Activa- yeah, which shuts down the digestive system and disabling the ability to absorb nutrients proper, properly, yeah. which then precipitates more of the ADHD and anxiety and yeah. other so I feel like that's a great like sort of inner inner breath although that was more than a breath that's that's <laughs> and done. Uh, that's how gut health is linked to ADHD and I will say you linked a paper in our notes the title of which is and we we won't go into this too much but we will link 
Mm. All papers referenced or referred to in the show notes. The title of this paper is called The Potential Influence of the Bacterial Microbiome on the Development and Progression of ADHD. Mm. And I don't know if you remember anything of that, but I, I would imagine that there's more points to that than just the nutritional component that it can be the this bacterial species themselves and how they influence the gut brain axis how they influence neurotransmitter production even with nutrition aside right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i think you summarized that really well yeah nice yeah. so i feel like that's just important to point now did mm. you have anything else you wanted to say about gut health because i wanted to you mentioned like anxiety and emotional stuff and i'm like oh that reminded me of a good point oh no go for it go for it so Something else that I think should come into the conversation when we talk about what causes ADHD, for me, and and a lot of this is just personal personal opinion. I'm sure I could find the research if I really wanted to. Um, but I've really had to question, you know, how much is our people's experience of ADHD, how much of that has to do with nervous system regulation mm. and trauma? Mm. Because mm. I would posit that a traumatized brain and not in a not in a physical injury to the brain sense i'm talking mm. about emotional trauma mm. capital t little t mm. uh, you know mm. it's a whole spectrum adverse childhood events yep yeah those mm. aces are really important I-, I would posit that a traumatized brain is one that maybe has less optimal neurotransmitter production, receptivity, sensitization. Um, There may be more pathways that in the brain that are, and I'm saying this really broadly, that are uh, geared towards hypervigilance, anxiety. Absolutely. And exactly to your point where anything that leads to nervous system activation or the the sort of switch on for that sympathetic division of your nervous system, that's going to shut down digestion and that, that has a role to play there. Yeah. But also I'm just thinking of like an anxious brain, whether it's whether it's short-term anxiety or long-term stemming from childhood. An anxious brain, I feel like executive function is not prioritized. Absolutely. In the anxious brain, just as a general term, yeah. right? Because it's part of the, the fight or flight response. Yeah. Is that, that all of the resources are then diverted to looking for the source of danger yeah how do we run from it what do we do it, it, it's a different focus of attention yeah so yeah and so i guess the point that i want to make there is that if you have been on a journey of getting diagnosed with adhd um regardless of whether you've gone down a conventional or a alternative route i think it's just really important to if you're not already to just reflect on those things oh has my childhood or has my have my emotional experiences up until this point contributed to my current symptoms and Mm. is there anything that could be addressed Mm. with and you know that doesn't even just have to be through conventional psychiatry or conventional psychology that can be through a range of modalities Mm. that are trauma informed that work with the somatic aspect of the body because Mm. I find Mm. often you can't dare I say especially if you've got ADHD you can't think yourself out of those patterns or you can't think yourself out of the anxiety um it's really like in the body 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, you're, you don't know how your brain can be different if <laughs> it's the brain that you've always had. Yeah. 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 Right? And yeah. it's like, it, I think just exploring that. Yeah. Oh, how could I start to change my brain? What what I, I like to picture it as like, because, you know, your brain's got all the grooves on it, but I guess on a more micro level than that, that you've got your neurons, your brain cells and the synapses between them and new synapses form as you learn things. And yeah. so I sort of see it as a, a nice, a nice reflection on like, what are the deep grooves? What are the deep synapses of your yeah. brain that are well and truly formed that are no longer serving you? Yeah. And it, then it sort of becomes about like unwiring yeah. and then rewiring the the better stuff that serves you. Yeah. 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 And if you're unsure about whether you have that sort of level of anxiety, mm. um, looking to your parents, I think, is a great. Yeah. Or grandparents, because there's also some, some uh, I'd have to pull out the research again myself, mm. But uh, about inherited trauma, yeah, um, and intergenerational trauma, yeah. Um, but even just the 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 thought that, and and I I have seen this in a paper. I have to pull that out as well, where a woman who is pregnant is who is experiencing anxiety. Mm. The uh, receptors in the in the fetus are then upregulated for anxiety oh. because you're bringing a child into a dangerous world. Clearly, yeah. is the message so that the pre- body's getting? It's preparing the child for a dangerous world. Yeah, you you are more predisposed to anxiety if your mother was anxious while pregnant with you or stressed. So that's going mm. even a step before the adverse childhood events. That is, yeah. It, it is this is real stuff that while you were growing inside your your mum's uterus mm. this stuff is forming already yeah. and that's why i think the overall message is that like wellness is just so important at any and all stages of life because Absolutely. it could especially if you're planning on conceiving it could affect the next generation yeah. and and how your child experiences nervous system balance yeah yeah and good reason to take up an activity that can help your body to feel calm yeah whatever that activity is whether it's mindfulness or meditation yeah or coloring in or going for a walk a gentle walk yeah not a power walk yeah calming activities (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. really important Mm. now let's acknowledge that the trauma conversation is enormous and obviously we are not covering all the dot points that are needed yeah. to say on trauma, yeah. but I just wanted to flag that. And I know a lot of people can relate to the feeling of like, when you mentioned intergenerational trauma, I'm like, I like, cause I just, I see it. I see it online. I hear people talking about it, clients mm. relaying it back to me. So many people, again, I feel particularly women feel that they are carrying the weight of like their, their ancestral lines, especially mm. on the maternal side. And that, there is this deep embodied sense of like, I feel like I am clearing all the trauma for the hundreds of women that came before me. Yeah. And, and I just want to like shout out if you know, you know, if you feel that way, you feel that way. And I just wanted to shout out and validate that because it's, it's no easy feat. It's yeah. a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it can 
be changed. Yes. You have to do the work. Yes. And the first step is to acknowledge that that you have yeah. an issue. Yep. That, um, and I think there's a, a, an equal number of women that say, no, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's, and I feel like a, a, a sympathetic nervous system activated brain will always say, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't ask me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and don't don't you dare try to give me a hug because I will cry and I do not cry. Yes. And again, that's not a personal hug to anyone. That's just such, I feel just yeah. such a real experience yes. that, that I think a lot of people could relate to. Absolutely. So that's the nervous system regulation side of things. Yes. Um, would you like to say anything about genetics and the role that they play in ADHD yes. or anything else? Um. Uh, well, maybe just sticking with the gut. Oh yeah. Is, is sort of from the gut. Yeah. Is toxicity um, and exposures to uh, heavy metals, mercury oh, in particular. Yeah, yeah. And also lead. So, I am of a generation that was exposed to lead-based fuels. Oh. And lead-based paints in some houses. Yeah. So as a child, I think I've heard other people. I think, I think I've yes, recently had a conversation with someone who remembers uh, sucking on lead-based paint on on wooden toys. Oh my god! Because it tastes kind of sweet. Oh my god! Mm. And. That's so funny. That's funny that you mentioned that because it only hit me. I was today years old when I learned <laughs> that before there was unleaded petrol, there was leaded petrol. Oh, like, yes. That's, that's the whole word, unleaded. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I never you know, thought of that. Like, I didn't know that word. I wasn't born into that no. pre unleaded word. <laughs> no. Isn't it funny how we sometimes don't think about the meaning of a word when it's right there in front of you right um, and then it's like oh yeah why did they why did they have to make it unleaded yeah oh well, lead bad because it had lead in it. yeah 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 i remember filling my car with leaded fuel wow but, um, yeah and then when they when they banned it everybody was like oh, but my car won't go as well because <laughs> because it was better for car, it better oh, for yeah, the engines more, right more, yeah, yeah yeah better for the engines yeah can't remember why lubrication i can't remember yeah oh interesting yeah anyway so toxicity so toxicity and amalgam mercury amalgam fillings yeah they were a thing of yeah absolutely both of our times do you reckon yeah i think i i don't know many dentists would be doing it now Now, yeah but it was recent yeah when people started thinking maybe maybe it's not good to put mercury in your mouth oh yeah oh maybe (laughs) maybe because even though it's just bone, it's still living tissue, right? Like it's yeah. still... <laughs> yeah. And mercury is a liquid. Yeah. So even as an amalgam, when you're chewing on it, you're oh. releasing merc- mercury vapour, which is the yeah. dangerous bit. Yeah. Into your body, near your brain. <laughs> God, I guess it, uh, there's no, surely there's not a connection there, right? <laughs> No, 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 the body's no. not that. The body Don't doesn't. Be silly. No, the body can't get things from A to Z on a microscopic level. Get out of here. And I guess that, I mean now there's a whole spe- specialty of dentistry where it's a safe removal of amalgam filling, old yeah. amalgam fillings. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, if this is something that you're experiencing and that is relevant to you, please consider. Yeah. 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 
and and yes, seeking a dentist who is familiar with the yeah. safe removal, um, I think is very important. Yeah. Um. What else have we got? Um. Inflammation, particularly inflammation of the brain, and yeah. that can be related to again gut health. Yep. Um. But it also can be related to, to uh, infections, mm-hmm. including latent viral infections. Ooh. Could be related to pathogens like Lyme disease and yep. um, those sorts of... Um, like com uh, yeah, yeah yeah there's a, there's a I feel like there's a word there is my my brain is just saying yeah those complex infections yeah <laughs> well not... I think that probably covers it enough we yeah we don't want to go into that too deep yeah because then I'll need to make another bonus rabbit hole episode <laughs> on Lyme disease um and something I want to say about so we brain inflammation you might sometimes hear that referred to as neuroinflammation yeah. um and what's on my radar about that. It can be associated with PMDD, so premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Oh, interesting. Um, there's the, yeah, there's definitely a link there between PMDD and neuroinflammation. So again, if PMDD and ADHD are things that are relevant to you, that might be a nice little common denominator that you can start to investigate. Mm. Um, and I think blood, and we'll talk about this more when we get into like you know our kind of natural treatment for ADHD. But I think blood sugar regulation, yeah. dysregulation, also like would lead to neuroinflammation yeah, yeah absolutely and i reckon there's probably some established links there that again i'm not recalling off the top of my mm. head but which also links back to the addictive behaviors too oh. so i mean we've got sugar oh, yeah um highly refined carbohydrates yeah like you know wheat flours and breads and cereals and biscuits and yeah all of those things yeah um and even dairy products to oh, yeah. a certain degree, but I'm going off on a tangent there. Okay. But addictive behaviours, particularly addictive eating behaviours yeah. of refined carbohydrates yeah. can then drive more of an insulin dysregulation. Yep. Um, it can lead to fat deposition in the liver, which then drives more insulin resistance yep. or, or heading towards insulin resistance, yep. which is can be driving an inflammatory condition yep and so it it it, it, uh, it could result in neuroinflammation but it's sort of more a systemic systemic level and remembering that anytime there's more insulin resistance which can be caused by so many things your body is going to send more signals to eat sugar because your cells aren't officially mm. using that sugar and i feel like that could also in itself drive sugar addiction or intense sugar cravings and i and that's not to put any um food shame out there because i oh, i because no. I, I i don't know about you but i really recommend like re- dumb restrictive diets i do yes. believe for the most part that if you were craving something your body's telling you something yeah but sometimes it's just tricky with sugar because of how industrialized it is <laughs> how how unnatural it is that it almost can cross it can cross the wires of your body's signaling. So you might be getting a craving for sugar, but it doesn't mean, oh yes, you need that 
sugary no. thing. Yeah. It, it could be coming from insulin resistance. It could be your body telling you, hey, I know you're eating, but like we're not receiving the nutrition from yeah. that. We're not receiving the nourishment. It could be that you're not getting enough sleep. Oh, yeah. It, it's simply tiredness yeah. is driving it. It could be you haven't had enough protein early in the day. Yep. So you're not getting enough nutrition. It's a whole other conversation, whole, isn't it? Yeah, but, <laughs> but relevant. talk about sugar yeah and and i think one thing from this if there's one thing you take from this podcast it's probably it's so easy to get hyper focused on the nitty-gritty of adhd if you're feeling overwhelmed and you are wanting to incorporate some natural treatments bring it back to the basics yeah nutrition sleep exposure to the natural elements yeah yeah. Hydration, basic. Whether whether you actually go down the, the route of medication or not, mm. those fundamentals are really important yep. because if you're not looking after those things in, and maintaining them, mm-hmm. you're going to find that the medication is too much one day not enough the next yeah yeah and it's like and it's like it's not the it's not necessarily and we'll talk more about medications but it's not necessarily the medications like the dose is just wrong on different days it's that there's all these other factors that influence your executive function that impact your system that your symptoms that require nutrition and all those those that that little checklist we mentioned um and if the boxes aren't ticked and you're putting a really strong potent medication in your body you might get a different outcome on different days yeah yeah but we'll talk about we'll talk about tailoring um the prescriptions in a little bit yeah um if i may say something throw something else in there in terms of root causes yeah how much do you think the role of technology now especially for gen y gen z Mm. millennials but also, but also people being diagnosed with adult ADHD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there's two questions here. How much of a role do you think technology has played and also – no, I'll just stick to technology for now – has played on, I guess, the rate of diagnosis or, like, just more people experiencing neurodivergence, more mm. people experiencing symptoms of ADHD? And then the second question to that is – is it worse if you had technology from a young age or does that not matter? Oh, really interesting question. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. All right, I'll see if I can keep on track. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm having a lot of thoughts about sh- that. Should I start with my opinion and then you, if that's easier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sure. I guess my take there is that, and again, just remembering that when you're the younger you are, the more neuroplastic your brain is, yes. the more you can learn things more easily. Addictions can start earlier on. Mm. And I just think speaking from I, my generation and my general context as growing up in the suburbs of Melbourne in a low mid class, we had technology, we had video games, we had lots of TV time. I had a phone when I was... 10 or 11, right? We should just say hmm. that Corinda and I are very different ages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to guess? No. <laughs> Leave in the comments how old, <laughs> yeah. how old do you think I am? I look younger, right? <laughs> um, I'm happy to say I was born in 95. And I was born in 63. 
Julie is the same age as my mum. Yeah. And I love that. I think we and both Corinda love that. And Corinda is the same age as my son. Yeah, it's actually perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually perfect. Um, and so from my perspective, I'm like, be, you know, we get these devices, which for starters, blue light, mm-hmm. interfering with our circadian rhythm, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I think also just getting hooked on notifications, mm. getting hooked on the stimuli from enticing video games, sound effects, lots of colours, uh, all those little dopamine hits from like, oh, yes, I'm doing the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm getting good at the game. I'm collecting all the coins or, you know, because that's and that's the basis of a good addictive game is that people are, people do degrees yeah. in writing algorithms mm. to design these things to 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 get you engaged mm. and to keep you hooked and yeah you know to measure that dopamine yeah hit right yeah, so, yeah that's how it works it's how it works it's yeah. a, it's cooked it's a it's a oh, it's a stinky rabbit hole to go down but it's mm. it's just it's it is it, that that's what it is mm. And so I wonder if that, you know, did the rise of knowledge and research into ADHD and diagnosis of ADHD coincide with the the te- uh, technological uh, evolutions, you know? Mm. Um, did the same amount of people that have ADHD now, like... In the 1960s, say, did, mm. you know, did the same amount of people have ADHD or are there more people with ADHD now? And is that related to our addiction and attachment mm. to technology? I think that is a multifaceted question with a multifaceted answer. Nuance because... <laughs> Oh, what was our sound for nuance? <laughs> 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 So you've got a couple of things happening there. First of all, the process of understanding and diagnosing ADHD mm. has been an evolution. Yep. Um, I think I was probably first aware of it in maybe high school, um, but it was there would be maybe one or two people, and they were the naughty children in the class. Mm. Um, yep, I, and I remember so, that too. Yeah. So did you say high school for you? High school for me. And that was primary school for me when we uh, s- yeah. first started seeing the students that, I like, I think I knew the term, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't recall if Ritalin was prescribed back then. Mm. Um, and so, and, and for context, so high school would have been late 70s. Yeah. For me. Okay. Um, we didn't have computers in our school back then. Yeah. Or mobile phones. Yeah. Um, and so that that dopamine hit that comes from the technology wasn't there. Ooh. With the, the 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 rise of computers, I think that that would have been a growing factor, and I think perhaps. When I when I think about it now, yeah. the people that I know that gravitated towards computers yeah. and using computers, yeah. possibly were those that, that could be diagnosed with ADHD right. at a later point in time. Right. And also for the time of the 70s, I'm also just thinking TV and TV becoming like a staple in the home. Yeah. And also there, there were video games. <laughs> 
there were video games back in those times, right? (laughs) There were video games. There was the old Nintendo. Oh, so Atari. Right. Okay. Yeah. But not everybody had them at first. Yeah. Um, And certainly with the growth of those games or or the the number of those games in households, Hmm. it became more and more apparent that some kids had a problem with it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But the other side of this mm. is that with the advent of, of technology was the growth of jobs and work around the technology. Yeah. So it's it's more difficult to escape the technology now mm-hmm. because you might have to use a computer for your work. Yeah. Um, mm, it's know, not even, just a fun time thing. Yeah, yeah. Or study or yeah. something, you know. That it, we, How disconnected do you feel from the world if you're out of range with your phone yeah. or your laptop isn't working or whatever? You know, it's yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything we do these days seems to be connected to the technology. So, yeah. Um, you're also you're getting the dopamine hits from the technology yep. so it's driving the behavior yep. but also your ability to manage your executive function around the tasks mm. in this device that gives you all information yep um it's, it's, it's just further compounds it yeah so i think that's contributed to increased diagnosis yeah as well as the um the overuse and the, maybe the abuse mm. or, hmm, no, that's a, too strong a word, isn't it? I think over, overuse is, we can, yeah, yeah overuse, overuse of, of, of devices. Of devices, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was a lovely nuanced exploration of that topic of my hopefully not too polarising opinion. Was there a second half to that question? There was, wasn't there? There was. I'm going to leave the second half of that question to the second episode. But okay. something that we can cover now was, with that technological thing, did COVID, now COVID, mm. specifically did isolated periods inside your home where you didn't have to leave the house and go to work and do the social things and, you know, mm. go on holidays and stuff. All people working from home. Uh, yeah. Did COVID contribute? to a rise or an increased awareness at the very least of ADHD and neurodivergency. But it did it did happen it mm. did seem to happen at the same time. Right. Um yeah, I guess I guess we all had more time at home on our devices googling things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um True. we all had more time and and a different focus like Mm. Um, I know that I was doing student clinic yeah, and so student clinic then had to change to online. So, yep. um, everything was on the device instead of face to face. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people, cause there are also a lot of people who didn't have to work or yeah. work became incredibly more flexible because they could work from home, but it wasn't this strict nine to five sitting at the desk thing. So I feel like a lot of people just took the time to watch more movies, watch more television series, yeah. binge watch. Binge watch. I mean, how? <laughs> I mean, my hands up. Like that was definitely yeah, me, me too. and that's a big part of my general history as well. But 
yeah, I just feel like it was, and there was comfort in that. There was the yeah. dopamine hit, but I think it was also doing something for our serotonin and our oxytocin as well of yeah. just feeling safer. Yeah, yeah, because we were all more anxious. We didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. Yeah. And and, and also, there was some uh, disrupted sort of eating behaviours and yeah. uh uh, relationships with alcohol that changed, relationships with with sugar and refined foods, yeah. all of those things were disrupted. And I know, yeah. you know, I mean, everybody started making sourdough bread. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, remember that? Far yeah, out. Yeah. That really happened. But all of those behaviours were disruptive in one way or another too. Yeah. And that's you know i mean if if you're making sourdough bread and you're sensitive to wheat or gluten yeah you know it's going to disrupt the microbiome yep and that you know as we've established can contribute to overall mental health you know on a very broad level yeah, let alone yeah. adhd yeah and disconnection yep you know people that were alone yeah um that couldn't connect with family or friends or work pe- workmates yep um it was just a total... All of the things. Yeah, it was just <laughs> such a different time with so many factors in the mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just wonder... Now, I did see something recently. I'll see if I can find it to put in the show notes. I did see something recently, though I don't know the time period, that, that suggested that there there isn't a rise in the diagnosis of ADHD. But I wonder what period that... You know, what, what time frame they were yeah, measuring. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I also want to just put out there for, for the sake of nuance that it could just be, you know, more technology, more social media, more people talking about it, you know, rather than actually more people having it, just as an asterisk. I don't know that that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, Certainly in my circle of friends, and maybe, I don't know, maybe just because it was on my radar, but it certainly felt like late diagnosis ADHD, adult diagnosis of ADHD, felt like it grew exponentially right yeah yeah okay that all right yeah, that's something yeah. for me to have a look into another thing about covid yeah of course it's it's a virus that affects the gut microbiome yeah actually having the virus yeah right Just actually having the virus and vaccination for some people yep um also disrupted many different systems in the body yeah and um, and uh Neurological systems being one of the ones we saw a lot of change in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, and the and the neuroinflammation. I know when I got COVID, yeah. I experienced um, migraines that I've never had before. Wow, and that was that that was neuroinflammation for sure. Yeah, it's like you, I've I've heard people say that they feel their brain was on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then you've also got the brain fog and then the general memory changes. Um, unable to focus or concentrate. Yeah. yeah. Classic symptoms of neuroinflammation. Yeah. And yeah. could also fall, uh, could fall under the symptoms of ADHD as well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, if you're happy to, shall we just tick off the genetics point? Yes. To shout it out? Yes. Acknowledge that genetics may have a link Yes. To some attributes of ADHD. Genetics may have a link yes. to some attributes of ADHD. Um, in various uh, neuropsychiatric conditions, 
including ADHD. It's the DRD4 genetic polymorphism, mm. um, which has an association with ADHD, schizophrenia, stimulant addiction, Ooh. mood and eating disorders, obesity and novelty-seeking behaviours, implicated in a role uh, as having a role in drug addiction, yeah. eating disorders, I've said that before, Um in people that have this polymorph, this genetic polymorphism. Yeah, right. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that can play a role. And we, we've got a, a paper on that. So we will link that um, in the show notes as well. Mm. Um, and then I guess also acknowledging there how much lifestyle, nutrition, everything yeah. can influence genetic expression. That's right. Because just because you have the gene doesn't yeah. mean it's expressing, which means turned on. Yeah. Um, and that is regardless of which gene it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good to acknowledge. Now, to wrap up this section, we've got a couple questions. Is ADHD, and I think you wrote this, so I'm reading your words, I think. Is ADHD prevalent and a part of the collective neurodiversity of a community, but made worse by poor diet, stress, sympathetic nervous system activation, poor nervous system regulation, and environmental exposures. And we, I feel like we've explored that. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need to say much more unless anything comes to mind, but I feel like that's just something that I want to put drop. in people's... Yeah, I just want to <laughs> drop that little seed and let you have a little think about that. Yeah. Dear listener. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to leave that with Happy to leave that there? Yeah. And the other question linked to that is, with that said, is ADHD transient? I believe that depending on the underlying cause, mm. if, if you have presented with ADHD symptoms where you haven't necessarily had them before mm -hmm. and it's related to maybe nutrient deficiencies. Mm. It's, I believe that it's possible to, to make those deficiencies replete. Yep. Fix the problem. Yeah. Get to the root cause. Cause that's what we do. We need a root cause alarm as well. <laughs> we do, don't we? I, I, I've got no. Root, root, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I like that one because I'm just going to start recycling my sound effects. <laughs> um, then potentially it could be transient. Yeah. I've noticed within myself, and we're, we're going to go into our own personal experiences and thoughts yes. of ADHD. Yes, we will. Um, but I've certainly noticed within myself that medicated or unmedicated, there are fluctuations from one day to another. Yeah. Um, and that I think is pretty much diet related, but it yeah. could be other, th other experiences, exposures, yep. Yep. um, sleep, yeah. you know, uh, the, all, the all the of thing the things. Yeah. The <laughs> things that we've mentioned again, it's like mm. this almost checklist that you need to be, um, aware of a checklist that I've just decided I would be happy to make and add as a little freebie. That's a great idea. Yeah. So check the show notes for that. Wow. Future Corinda, please follow through. <laughs> wow. Future Corinda, please follow through. <laughs> for ADHD, if we're going down the conventional 
route. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we'll probably talk about the process of getting to medications mm-hmm. in, in the next step. But yep. um, the medications are, well, fairly straightforward. They're, they're stimulant medications. They're the methylphenidate, um, which is the Ritalin and your cons- concerta, mm-hmm. which are short-acting medications. Oh. Um, and, in fact, they are a pro-drug. Oh, okay. So. Oh. Wait, quickly, quickly, what's that? A pro drug, yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's it's not the uh, constituent that has the action. It's then metabolized <gasps> to form the drug within the body. So it's relying on your body yeah. to make the active. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Oh, and how many factors play into that oh, in terms God, of medications yes. working or not working yeah. for people? That was my head exploding. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> um, you've got your dexamphetamines, mm. uh, both short-acting and uh, long-acting. Um, and then you've got your non-stimulant medications, which are mm. prescribed for people who maybe have cardiovascular or heart issues. Right, where, there's, there, where, where there would be concerns from an overstimulated body. Yeah, yeah. Or, or on in, um, other medications that may be uh, contraindicated. Uh, and I'm just thinking now, you know what? I don't, I don't think I know anyone with ADHD who is medicated, who's on a non-stimulant medication. So if you are, mm. let, and you're happy to share your experience, feel um, free to let us know. Well, I know that somebody who maybe is experiencing something like atrial fibrillation, yeah, would need to be on the non-stimulant Non-st- medication. Yeah, for example, or someone that has a tachycardia, or maybe even a, a, a elevated blood pressure yeah and then i also wonder how that goes i wonder like people with epilepsy if they are taking anticonvulsants or not maybe how would these kind of neurostimulants go with them we don't have to answer that that's just something that i'm thinking out Out loud out of my scope yeah interesting Hmm. so they're the three main groups of medications um and i think people tend to you know, start with the methylphenidate and then sort of try the, the dexamphetamine and see which one works best yeah. or a combination of the long acting and the short acting. Yeah. Um, mm. But that's pretty well medications in a nutshell. Yep. Um, it is worth noting, though, that, mm-hmm. that those medications, those stimulant medications uh, inhibit vitamin C. Oh, they inhibit um, tyrosine and phenylalanine. Oh. Now, though ty- tyrosine and phenylalanine, <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> Corinda's mind is going. Tick 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 tick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, are the very precursors yeah. that we need to make dopamine. Yeah, like they're so specifically mm. needed. <laughs> Which is likely why these stimulant medications over time are less effective mm. because you've got less of the precursors there to yep. be able to make the neurotransmitters that you need that you're taking the drugs to s- stimulate. Right. So it's like you're taking the drug. It may or may not be helping your symptoms. But meanwhile... It's also depleting or inhibiting the action mm. of nutrients that, mm. that, are, <laughs> that are required for management of the symptoms that you're likely experiencing. Mm. 
And this is where your naturopath can come in and help. Truly. Because we can help to supplement those yep. those things to yeah. make sure. Or even taking medication breaks. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some adverse reactions to the medications. Mm-hmm. Some people find that uh, it can uh, stimulate a bit more anxiety. Yeah. Um, hair loss was one that I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah, just over time, hair falling out, just just a little bit, not, not patches or anything, but mm. just thinning of hair because more hair was falling out right okay than, than growing so. yeah um interesting yeah. Mm. um and also uh, on the other side of the not on the other side but just another aspect to the nutritional complications with the medications is that for some people taking the medications can decrease their appetite which just leads to changes to their diet yeah. And that can lead to not getting enough of the nutrients that are needed as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying don't take the medications. Yeah. Uh, all we're saying is that you need to be aware of these things yeah. so that you can support yourself or, or be supported, yeah. ideally, by somebody who can support you properly. Yes. <laughs> With these nutritional we- components in mind, because... I will just quickly say from the people that I've heard sharing their experience of seeing psychiatrists and getting on medication and getting diagnosed, there's not much, if at all, of a nutritional focused conversation. No. And it is (laughs) crucial. Yeah. (laughs) Apart from don't take vitamin C at the same time as your medication. Yeah. You mentioned that. And then we were just like, how many people would like... How many type A personalities or anxious leaning people would hear that and go, oh my God, like, do I not even eat like oranges now or berries or like, oh, I guess I'll stop taking my like vitamin C tablet in winter or, and then scurvy. (sighs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, ultimately if, if you didn't have any foods, um, yeah. Like if you were really getting zero vitamin C, yeah. Yeah. But no doubt you'll be seeing some immune system suppression. For sure. And some skin issues. Yeah, for sure. Before that. Mm. Crikey. Yes. And so moving on from that Mm. are the natural alternatives. Yeah. Yes, there are some natural alternatives. First of all, of course, we would take the naturopathic approach and we would remove the obstacles to cure. Yep. So we would be uh, looking at any sort of chemical exposures, yep. um, any of those things that might be causing the problem. Yeah. Um, we would definitely look at gut health. Yeah. Um, and uh, ensure that you are passing a nice, healthy, soft stool easily each day. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we do consider it constipation if you're going every other day. Yeah. Yeah, afraid so. And I don't give a poop <gasps> what your doctor has said to you about constipation yeah. if you're only going to the toilet every other day. There I said Whoa. it. <laughs> you are so controversial. <laughs> but I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. A daily bowel, bowel movement. Minimum, right? Minimum. Yeah. yeah. Just one's okay. Yeah. As long as it's complete. Yes. And you feel fully evacuated, as we love to say in the clinic. Yeah. Um, ensuring healthy nutrition mm. of all of the necessary 
cofactors, minerals and vitamins. Yep. So we're talking about uh, zinc, magnesium, iron, yep. um, omega-3 fatty acids, oh, yep. vitamin D. Um, the, uh, the, B the B vitamins? The B vitamins. Folate, B12, B6, B3, B2, B1, all of them. Yeah. Um, and I'll, you know what? I'll actually add a little nutritional checklist to the checklist that future me will create. Check the link in the show notes. Future Corinda's on to everything, oh, isn't she? No. <laughs> she's definitely not experiencing any uh, procrastination or trouble with executive function and following through on promises. <laughs> and then we would be looking at things that are specific to the patient in front of us. Mm. So if there's some mitochondrial dysfunction, then we would address mitochondrial dysfunction. We might look at CoQ10 or ubiquinol. Yeah. Um, a liposomal glutathione. Oh, yeah. I do like a liposomal glutathione. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we might look at reducing inflammation. Now, that could mm. be a dietary strategy, an mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory diet. Yep. Um, or maybe just removing some anti-inflammatory foods from the diet. Yeah. Uh, we might look at increasing choline. Yeah. Choline is good for protecting the nerve cells and helping with synaptic transmission. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, it's integral to the, the cellular membrane. So yeah. it's not just nerve cells, but certainly but essential yeah. for those. Um, we might look at at um, any underlying infection and treat that, we would probably use herbs. Yeah. If we think that there's a sort of a low-level Epstein-Barr virus reactivation. Yeah, very common. Surprisingly common. Surprisingly common. Yeah. Epstein-Barr being glandular fever. Yeah. Um, Thyroid. Thyroid. Because if we're thinking yeah. about motivation and energy on a whole, yeah. if the thyroid ain't happy, yeah. that's going to be impacting your day-to-day experience of getting things done, yeah. thinking things, concentrating, focusing. Yeah. 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 So addressing the thyroid, and that would be a, a nutritional and a potentially a herbal thing as well. Mm. Yeah. And mm. perimenopausal women yeah. who are being diagnosed by the score Ooh. with late diagnosis of ADHD because, of course, as you transition into um, into menopause and you have great big surges of estrogen and withdrawal of estrogen, yeah, um, you then it's it, it then starts affecting the brain because estrogen yeah. is protective of the brain. Yeah, um, and so we would also look at some you know balance of hormones or well, i don't really like using the term balance hormones yeah but, but certainly addressing or or providing support for hormones yeah at that time yep on that if i may say mm. something that i would probably include in my and do include because i've got a few a few new adhd clients uh something i would include in my approach for my menstruating patients would be a layer of menstrual cycle awareness and tailoring different treatments and maybe even maybe even if anyone is brave enough to try this with me maybe even tailoring a medication schedule based around um 
the menstrual cycle. Oh my God. Because there is, oh, there's a paper and I will find it, but I don't have future Krindner. It's on the list. <laughs> about medications, I think specifically something about Vyvanse working differently in different phases of the menstrual cycle. <gasps> So that could, all, yeah, right. So that could also be another reason why people feel differently on different days. Yeah. And then also just working to your advantage, times in your cycle, you know, approaching ovulation at ovulation, where we know estrogen is going to be higher. Mm. Seeing if there are other symptoms there, because also if estrogen isn't being metabolized and eliminated properly, that could contribute to signs of inflammation. Mm. Um, but estrogen, when in a healthy balance and a, meta- a healthy metabolic balance in the body can in help. In proportion to in, progesterone. In proportion, <laughs> yes, important point. In proportion to progesterone is great for cognitive function and mm. memory mm. and verbal ability and writing ability. Mm. Super helpful. So we can play with those different aspects. Mm. Um, so that's just my little extra hormone point that I want to mm. throw in there. And that is something that we could do for people medicated, not medicated, diagnosed, suspected, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's probably worth mentioning at this point, and I don't know, you might decide to cut this out, but Corinda and I often work together as yeah. a team. Yeah. And if it presented to us, somebody wanted to experience uh, someone to help with the gut health yep. and someone to help with the menstrual side of things, we can certainly offer that yeah. as a... Um, as a package. Yeah. We, yeah, we're, we're whipping up a, we're whipping up a little bit of a package because, and a package because this kind of healing takes time. This multifaceted Mm -hmm. multi-organ system healing takes time. And especially if you've got, um, uncomfortable neurodivergent symptoms happening where it's affecting your functioning, you've got hormonal symptoms happening. You've got underlying gut health and function Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. Uh, committing to a three or six month journey of like i'm really ready to just find balance in these areas and correct the nutritional stuff correct the diet stuff correct the lifestyle stuff and ask for support yeah because i believe everyone is an expert in their own bodies but it can be really hard to navigate that journey to understanding your body understanding your symptoms when things are out of balance and then also taking action and correcting where there's room for correcting, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And knowing when to address each of the stages too. Yes. So there's there's an know, order of healing, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When do we work on the gut health and when do we work on the menstrual symptoms and when do we work on the... Yeah. Yeah. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, we don't have anything official yet, please message us because it's... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's there's no things to click on. Just reach out and message us if you're interested in that kind of super tailored, super dedicated, multi-brained support. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on your case. Two heads are better than one. That's it. Um, and something else I want to say just with like natural treatment of ADHD, um, you know, in a consult, we would also do a pretty, a pretty deep dive of like your lifestyle. What does your day mm. look like? What uh, What are your energy levels like throughout the day? When do you go to bed? When do you wake up? How do you feel at both ends of the day? When are you eating throughout the day? So it's not just like prescribing treatments. It's also 
getting a snapshot of your day-to-day experience mm. and seeing where there's room for little adjustments. Mm. So it's not all it's not all supplements and herbs and stuff or, mm. or even and it's not even all changes to diet, but also just little I feel like the easy I don't like the word hacks, but I feel like that's the easiest way to convey it. Yeah. Little lifestyle hacks of like, hey, did you know that this can help, you know, regulate your circadian rhythm and you might get a better sleep yeah. if you just do this before bed. Um uh, same with nervous system regulation techniques. If mm. When we have a snapshot of your day, we can go, okay, well, at this time or when you start to feel this feeling or you start to experience this symptom intensely, try this breathing technique or try this focus mm. technique. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's very holistic in that way. Mm. Mm. It's not just one mode of treatment. Yeah. Yeah. As, as always, we're treating the person in front of us. Yeah. We're not, not... treating a condition yeah. or, or a symptom. And rarely do people come to us with just one thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's almost, it's always multifaceted. It's it always. Is all, I have never seen someone that just had one thing wrong or even just one thing that they wanted to address, you know, it always, and even they might start the consult with like, yeah, it's just this one thing. And then by the end of the consult, after 60 or 90 minutes of exploring yeah. their whole body, yeah. they're like, Okay, and usually their priorities change by the end of it. They're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, actually, I'd like to, I'd like to work on this first. I'm like, "Yep, yeah. let's do that." Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Cool. So that's our little summary. Again, be sure to check the show notes for links to research papers and articles with more information, and the little checklist freebie that I that I'm going to create. So checklist of the things that can impact your symptoms of ADHD and general symptoms that you would associate with neurodivergence mm-hmm. um that Im- to clarify that impact your function because yes. that this is not we're not <laughs> saying that neurodivergence is a pro it's not a problem oh it's not a pro- it's only a problem if it's a problem yes exactly yeah yeah mm. um and we're gonna we'll talk more about perception of neurodivergence in our next episode Absolutely. um where we'll also be sharing our personal experiences with adhd um so it's, yeah it's going to be a little bit more up close and personal in the next yes. episode so we hope to see you there thank you for tuning in thank you very much stay nuanced uh, it was it was a lot <laughs> it was a, it was a lot uh maybe maybe just listen to the episode again yeah <laughs> Have a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea, yeah. Have some rest time. Yeah, and remember what I said, bring it back to the basics. If it yeah. feels overwhelming, bring it back to the basics. If you can comfort, uh, make sure you can confidently check off those basics, mm. check off that checklist before going down any rabbit holes or yeah, try, trying all the things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, catch you guys in the next one. See ya. No? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, catch you guys in the next one. See ya.